0: the Lord, for Thy great plan That we thy dwelling place may be
1: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called life study of the Bible. Today, we're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry along with some of our own considerations. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, please enjoy today's program. After opening with a clear picture of the meaning and contents of the glad tidings of the gospel, the book of Mark then gives us five cases in which the Lord Jesus carries out the gospel in his dealings with so many fallen people. The first of these cases involved a paralytic man who not only received healing from the Lord, but even more importantly, at least in its significance, was the forgiveness of sins. We then have the case of a saved sinner, Matthew, the tax collector, preparing a feast for his Savior and for many of his friends. This case was a case of enjoyment. Three additional cases follow in Chapter 2 and the first part of Chapter 3, each one depicting the carrying out of his gospel service, a gospel not only of forgiveness and of enjoyment, but of joy, of satisfaction, and freedom as well. Bill Lawson has joined us as we uh, come to another uh, enjoyable, joy-filled, satisfying and I would say liberating message from this life study of Mark. This has really been a good life study thus far, Bill. I'm glad you can join us now and jump in.
2: Yeah, the book of Mark, uh, Chris, is really quite a wonderful book, an enjoyable book. When we get into it, I think we'll be pleasantly surprised about how Christ is unveiled here in so many aspects. He's unveiled as the slave savior, one that is carrying out a gospel service for God and for the humanity created by God.
1: Of course, this is the gospel where the Lord says uh, in his own words, I believe it's chapter 10, I have come not to be served, but to serve. This really uh, depicting himself as the slave savior. So, Bill, we have now, after chapter one, we come to chapter two, what we're going to hear were these five cases where the Lord Jesus was encountering this one, that one, or this group, that group. And while we tend to read Mark as just sort of a collection of instances or miracles, uh, acts of power, whatnot, really there's a much greater significance. In the, and even the historical sequence, which shows us God's sovereignty in the arrangement of the book of Mark, mm-hmm. uh, really depict these uh, five aspects of the glad tidings, the good news, right. the gospel.
2: Uh, This is really so you have these five aspects. We'll get into those. These are very, very rich. It's interesting, too, to note that all of these, Chris, have a religion as a backdrop. They're all there, the context of the Lord unveiling himself and all of his riches and his pleasantness versus religion, showing how religion today really frustrates the Lord, blinds people. It is really a frustration to our rich enjoyment of Christ. And the Lord carries out these five acts of gospel service in a background surrounded with religion on every side. Yet the, the, the unveiling of the Lord himself in a context of religion as a background, is a real eye-opener to us.
1: Okay, let's look at these. And again, uh, to find these five cases, you really need to read the whole chapter 2 plus the first uh, six verses or so of chapter 3. Then you'll see all five cases. Witness Lee will refer to them. I'm just going to read a few select verses today for the sake of time. Coming back now to chapter 2, verse 5, reminds us how these five cases begin. And we just can't underscore this enough. It's very important, the order here. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. This is the one they had to lower in through uh, the roof because there was no room in the house. They were in Capernaum, I believe, and the right. Lord was there. And so many were crowding in. And uh, this man, this paralytic, had friends who dropped him through the roof. And, of course, he was looking for healing, but the Lord begins with this phrase, Your sins are forgiven. Right. And this, as you said, Bill, uh, caused a lot of trouble among the religious that were there witnessing what was happening. All right, let's join Witness Lee, and then we'll come back.
0: Mark was written according to the historical facts. It is not a book of doctrine, it's a book of uh, biography according to the history. It is very interesting that we would see five instances here. For every instant, I would give you one single word. In the first instance, one word. Forgiveness. The entire case is a case of forgiveness of sins by a sin of man who was the very forgiving God incarnated. Then in the second just enjoyment of feasting. After forgiveness, what you have? You just enjoy Enjoy all the goodness of uh, this slave savior. So, this is the word enjoyment for the second instant. Following the second, in the third, what you have? The word is more simple. The joy. With uh, this matter of joy, you have... uh, one basic factor, that is a groom. Then two other factors, the new cloth and the new wine. We all know the cloth is for making garments, not just to cover us, but to beautify us. And the new wine satisfies us. So here's the joy. Then... The fourth, satisfaction. I had hunger, but now I don't have hunger and hunger. I'm satisfied. You have a regulation. You have a Sabbath. I have satisfaction. How about this? Then the fifth, what do you have? Freed. I'm released. I'm liberated. Freedom. Do you like to have a Sabbath day? Do you like to keep the regulation? I don't care for that. I okay, for freedom. you got the five words. Forgiveness, enjoyment, joy, satisfaction, and freedom. It's marvelous.
1: Well, this is a good kind of Bible study of Mark chapter 2, Bill. We've got these five cases each depicting the Lord carrying out now his gospel service. He gave us a quick overview of all five. Uh, and you help me if I get lost here. The first one being forgiveness. Right. The second, enjoyment. We've touched both of these in our previous programs. The paralytic that we talked about a moment ago, forgiven of his sins, and then, of course, obviously healed of his uh, paralysis. Mm -hmm. The case of enjoyment is Matthew, this uh, tax collector who gets saved and then immediately goes to his house and prepares this feast. And the Lord Jesus is there. He's invited so many of his friends in, and they're having quite an enjoyable encounter together an enjoyable communion here between the savior and the sinners now these next three cases joy satisfaction and freedom we'll look at in the coming two sections bill but maybe you want to review for us again these first two the forgiveness particularly and the enjoyment
2: right chris and that forgiveness is very basic again the book of mark is written in a historical sense and that means the lord needs to right away forgive us of our sins so In this first case, we're all paralytics. You know, that means we can't do anything for the Lord. We have some kind of paralysis. We don't have the full function, and that's every fallen one before we receive the Lord's salvation. And here, in this case, uh, he was desperate. He was let down from the roof. The situation with that, he would have his sins forgiven. And what really disturbed the religious people, the Pharisees, was that he did it as a man. And they realized, how could a human being forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. But the Lord was indicating that he, as a man there, the incarnation of the God-man, had deity. He had the authority and the ability as a man to forgive sins. So that means he was not only man, he was also God. That was not easy for the Pharisees to take. So first of all, the Lord is the one who forgave us of all of our sins. Secondly, after the matter of forgiveness, you You have the matter of the enjoyment. The Lord wants to be enjoyable to us. And of course we all have the concept that the Lord was such a a wonderful person and then how could he associate with tax collectors and sinners and and evil people. The Lord should stay away from those kind of people. But after he brought Matthew to himself, he got invited over to Matthew's house (laughs) with all of his tax collecting friends and all these kind of undesirable kind of people, yet the Lord was full of joy and very pleasant in that environment. And even he, the Lord likened himself to a physician there. A physician doesn't heal people who are well. He only heals people who are sick. But we have to acknowledge and realize that we are all sick. If we do acknowledge that, then the Lord can heal us. If we think we're okay, I'm okay, I have no problems, I have no sin, the Lord can never be a physician to us.
1: Boy, these first two uh, cases, you could just stop right here and have quite a wonderful gospel meeting, couldn't you, Bill? Right. (laughs) Over these first two. But we go on. At this point now, on two accounts, the Lord has really challenged, not directly, but By virtue of his deeds, he has challenged uh, the sensibilities of the religious ones. Uh, They're very upset that he has declared that he has the authority to forgive sins, as you said. Now, in keeping company with these kind of people, the tax collectors, probably the prostitutes and these other ones, uh, this was a real offense to them. So now he has a kind of a dialogue with them. Plus, on the scene now come the disciples of John the Baptist. Of course, he had a real role in introducing the slave savior, but now he has developed his own following, and mm-hmm. his disciples and those of the scribes and Pharisees now all express a little bit of jealousy, which we'll see Witness Lee uh, touch on in this coming portion. Right. Let's go back.
0: Now we come to the second half of chapter 2. It's very good. The Lord's sovereignty was there. He just finished the talk with the scribes, telling them that he was the great physician uh, for the sick ones. Right after that, two kinds of disciples came. One group, that was the disciples of John, the Baptist. And the other was the uh, disciples of Pharisees. I call the disciples of John the uh, modern religionists. And the disciples of Pharisees, the old ones. But they all practice the same thing because they are all in religion. They practice what? Fasting. Surely, if you are in religion, you need to fast. To be a disciple in any kind of religion, what do you have? You have troubles. You have burden. You have hunger, weariness, even anxieties. You think I'm criticizing? No, I'm not criticizing. I'm telling the truth. In religion, you have to fast. Religion requires religion, demands, religion, even extorts. If I were there, I had to fast. For me, I cannot do this. For me, I cannot do that. I cannot fulfill anything. I cannot answer anything. I cannot meet any kind of requirements. So I had to fast. Listen. (laughs) Disciples of John are in... A fasting situation. And the disciples of Pharisees are in a fasting condition. But how about Matthew? How about those tax collectors, sinners who got forgiven? Full of joy. How could they fast? How could the friends around the bridegroom fast? If they fast, that was shame to bread groom. The Lord Jesus was really wise. Why you people, you folks, come to me to check with me why my disciples don't fast? Because they are what? They are the best men. I'm the groom, and they are my best men. I'm the long best men. Oh, the poor tech collector Matthew got saved right away. He become my best man. Are you a disciple of John? A disciple of the Pharisees? Or a best man of Jesus?
1: (laughs) Bill, I've just come through a family situation where I had my two daughters both married off this last spring, just a few weeks apart. So I saw up close uh, how the bridegroom takes care of his best man and those others that are with the bridegroom during the time of a wedding. And I can testify firsthand, there's no fasting hmm. anywhere near this, <laughs> right. this situation. Interesting answer the Lord gave to the disciples of both John and the Pharisees, wasn't it?
2: Really so. I mean, think about it, Chris, before we had any relationship with the lord jesus as our lord savior as everything we had no relationship with him whatsoever we were just fallen sinners destined for perdition Then the Lord, like, he comes along, he picks up Matthew, regardless of our background, tax collector, good person, evil person, we're all the same. And then he makes Matthew, this one who just received the Lord, he makes Matthew the best man. The Lord himself is the bridegroom, and he brings us into the most intimate relationship with us. It is marvelous.
1: It is marvelous. And so... um, The religious ones, whether they were the Old Testament ones of the Old Testament dispensation or law, or these new religionists, as Witness Lee calls them here, or the modern religious ones, religion always imposes, it extorts even, he said. It's Mm -hmm. got a kind of a binding Mm -hmm. aspect to it, doesn't it? And and these ones, they were all bound up, both on both sides.
2: The only free one there, really, was liberate, was the Lord Jesus himself as the bridegroom. The Latin word, where we get our word religion, comes from a Latin root, religare, which means to bind fast. That means that a person is bound up. There's limitations. He doesn't have the full freedom for enjoyment to do and carry out what God intended for us to do. God never intended for man to be involved or wrapped up, tied up with a religion. His intention is that we receive Christ, enjoy Christ, be full of Christ, be full of joy, be full of happiness. Not fast uh, so much, but feast So we need to turn all of our fasting into feasting. The Lord there was the one really in the enjoyment of Christ and in the joy, and His desire is to bring us into the fullness of the joy, right? Yes. This is his intention.
1: Bill, I think just to be uh, fair, we don't mean to say that there is never a place for the practice of fasting. The Mm -hmm. Lord may lead us, uh, you know, individually or even corporately, depending on circumstances, from time to time for the sake of prayer. But we're talking about in principle here, Mm -hmm. in general principle. Our Christian life should not be typified by fasting. You said our Christian life really should be a life of feasting. Right. Like Matthew.
2: Right. And the word tells us, rejoice in the Lord always, yeah. in everything give thanks, pray without ceasing. This is the will of the Lord for us.
1: Okay, let's go on. We want to touch this matter now of the new cloth, the new garment, in addition to the bridegroom and uh, obviously the matter of the new wine. These things are all matters of joy. And we'll see again how Witness Lee connects all of these up for us in this uh, marvelous portion from Mark chapter 2.
0: Among humankind... The most present this bread groom. The bread groom is a present person. I am such a person. I am the man-god. I am the god-man. I am the physician. I am man. I am god. I am physician. I am everything you need. Now, this, all inclusive me, is the bread groom. They have me. Why do they need to fast? It's nonsensical, Ridiculous for them to fast. They got everything. Not only so. My righteousness is their portion, as a new cloth, a piece of new cloth, you see, to cover them, to beautify them, not only so, my life is the real wine that can satisfy them, stir them up, and make them high, they are now full joy. They are just drunken of joy. They are drunken. Everybody was drunken. Look at Matthew. Look at that collector. You ask them to fast? How could they do it? Impossible. They cannot fast. I'm here. The bread room is here. The new class is here. My righteousness is here. And the new wine, my life, is all here. Marvelous. Jesus Christ today is the bridegroom. Amen. And his righteousness is the new piece of unshrinking cross Amen. to cover your nakedness and to beautify you. Amen. And his divine life is the wine that you can drink. This is gospel. <laughs> A living person with the righteousness and with the life. Righteousness outward, life inward. Now, hallelujah, we have the bread room. We have the righteousness to be our outward carving, beautification, and we have also the divine life as the wine to sanctify us inwardly. We are His followers.
1: Bill, we primarily focus here on the third of these five. We've had the forgiveness, we've had the enjoyment, and now the joy. And we see really three main components of this matter of joy as depicted here in this portion. First, of course, is the bridegroom. We've already talked about. Now we have, secondly, this piece of new cloth. Maybe you could touch that. Witnessly identifies that with Christ is our righteousness. And thirdly, the new wine. I think this is a good way to end today. Uh,
2: Yes, Chris, this matter of the joy here is like a compound of different situations that the Lord uses here. He himself, we know, is this marvelous, lovely bridegroom. There's no way we can be fasting when this wonderful bridegroom is there full of joy, full of happiness, full of satisfaction. He wants us to enjoy him as a bridegroom. And then he goes into this case of unshrunk cloth, which is not easy to understand. Of course, here, unshrunk or unfold or untreated cloth. The Lord likens Himself to a piece of unshrunk cloth. That's mainly His perfect humanity as a man. And the problem is, we look at things of the Bible, we look at the Lord, and we say, I'll pattern my life after this life, this perfect life, and we become a miserable failure, trying to do what He did, trying to imitate Him, trying to be like Him. And what happens, there's no way a piece of unshrunk cloth like this perfect humanity of the Lord can go together with our old God. Our old man and our old way of living. So the Lord, after he went through this process in his death and resurrection, he became the life-giving spirit. Now he's been treated. He's been processed. He's been dealt with thoroughly. Now he can come back to us as the life-giving spirit and not just a piece of unshrunk cloth to try to patch up our old religious man. Now he becomes an entirely new garment right. to cover us as our righteousness and also to beautify us so we have the beauty of Christ. Not only so, Chris, it's amazing, that's just the objective thing. Now he can live himself out of us as our proper righteous behavior, and we can also be filled with him as the new wine, because the Lord now is process, Now he's full of joy. He's effervescent. He's bubbling over. He's not only living out of us as a righteous conduct before man, but we are filled with him as the new wine in a fresh wineskin where now we are filled with the bubbling, effervescent life of Christ. It's marvelous.
1: You know, Bill, I want to just take a moment to come back to this matter of the unshrunk cloth. As you said, this is not too easy to understand, but religion would even uh, try to apply Christ, the life of Christ in such a way. Mm -hmm. We uh, tend to, in our natural religious outlook, try to view where our defects are, not realizing our entire human life is defective. Right. But we see this item or that one that perhaps we think doesn't measure up. So we would like to grab a piece of Christ right. to stitch it in, and you know, to patch this little hole in my character. Um, but, of course, as unshrunk, that means uh, it's going to pull away. Right. It's not just not going to fit on an old garment, is it?
2: No way. When
1: that garment is cleansed again. So uh, it's a very uh, difficult to picture. But on the other hand, it's a very significant one, I think, one we now can all relate to somewhat.
2: Right. Right. He doesn't like Christy. So he doesn't want to patch up our kind of life. And we're short here. We're defective over there. We have some character flaws here. Some failures there. No. He, in his death and resurrection, went through a full process to become the life-giving spirit, fully dealt with, and now this one doesn't want to patch up the old man. He wants to be an entirely new person to us. Yeah. So in his death and resurrection, he regenerates us, he comes into us, and he covers us. He is our, uh, uh, our outward living, our righteousness, and then he fills us with himself as the new wine. So... Outwardly, we have his conduct, a new person. Inwardly, we wow. have his joy and fullness.
1: And how can we be other than joyful, Bill? Right. Really an enjoyable time, wasn't it, today?
2: It's a real pleasure to touch this book of Mark.
1: Well, Bill, we're out of time. Let us quickly just remind our listeners, you can get these printed Life Study messages so that you can follow along with us. If you'll call us toll-free, we'll let you know how you can do that. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888 543 Eight, eight. Join us again for our next Life Study program. We'll continue now on this Gospel of Mark. For Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening
0: today. Dear Lord, we give ourselves to Thee. Receive us into Thy wise hands.
1: Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.